Hello friends and welcome to Thursday's episode, edition of the Kings of Anglia, Ipswich Town podcast. I'm your host Mark Heath. It's normally of course the Watson and Warren show but friends I have to apologise because this week, or this show, you've got just one of those titans and the two testicles that drag along behind them. You've got Andy Warren as part of that gruesome twosome. How are you my friend? I don't know what to say. (laughs) I've got nothing to say to that. You don't have to say anything, mate. Uh, I've got, I've got the, big, the big news is, of course, he's not been around for a little while because he's been on loan at Furlow FC. He's been doing other stuff, other projects, as they say, in the industry. And he looks a bit like a hairy testicle. So joining me, hanging by my side, Roscoe, the prospect is back. How are you, my friend? I'm good. You stole my line there. I was going to use that. I was going to say I'm one of the hairy testicles. So I'm <laughs> sure we've both got hairy testicles and, you know, yeah, all that jazz. So, yeah, it's good to be back. So, it's, good, it's, good, it's, it's good to have you back, my friend. Manscaping is one thing I'll say in terms of uh, that, that chat about Hirsute gonads. Uh, I want to ask you, Ross, because it's been a while since people have, have heard from you. Uh, and there was a story on the news today about a man who had had his first cup of tea at the age of 25. Now, Hutchie, I think we've spoken about that before, and, and you are also late to the tea game. But, Ross, you're famous, famously known for discovering things late. So I wonder if there's anything in, your, in the, the time you've been away from the podcast that you have discovered, blancmange, something like that, that you've never had before. Is there anything that you've uh, you've taken up? Uh, mm, I'm going to be. I'm going to disappoint you. I don't think there's, there's nothing that springs to mind. Maybe a mango. <laughs> maybe a mango. What? what do you mean? Do you mean maybe you've had a mango, or or maybe that's the first time you've eaten mango? I probably had mango when I was a kid, but then I didn't like it. But now, <laughs> having a lot of tropical fruit in a bowl, and it's mango, pineapples. Uh, Amazing. Bold, but yeah. You're famously a big fan of oranges, aren't you, from, from the olden days, um, when you had the, all those oranges given to you on the uh, on the, the town team coach that you, uh, you used to get to Manchester with the ladies that time. Yeah. Um, it's great to have you back, mate. That insight shows what we've been missing and why you're an important part of the of the team, even if you are. A gonad like like yours truly, Hutchie. Am I? I am right in saying that about tea, isn't it? I'm sure you said before you didn't have a cup of tea till you were mid twenties. I've only had three in my life. It's rubbish. It's you've only dreadful. had three. You've only had three yeah. cups of tea in your entire and, uh, life. Only only one of those were by choice. Two of them were kind of drunk, slightly <laughs> drunk, out of politeness because they were oh, present, you gonna... presented to me by Barry Kent. Our, I thought you were going to say you'd been forced to drink tea. There, your human rights had been breached. Yeah, not I'm not being like waterboarded with scalding hot <laughs> scalding hot tea, but um, no, I've had three cups of tea in my life. I think it, I think it's uh, it's not really for me. Um, as an aside, do you want me to just leave you to it with Ross today? Um, I think people need to hear more from Ross. Oh, oh don't don't worry. There's there's going to be loads to come from Ross. Obviously, he's back. He's got a strike. Um, there's lots of questions in the mailbag which we'll get to as well. So plenty you'll hear plenty from Ross. Don't you worry. But I just want to. Just acknowledge, just, just nipping back to what you just said there, Hutchie, and, and waterboarding with tea. What, what posh form of torture that would be, being waterboarded with some old grey and a slice of lemon. <laughs> <laughs> and a nice bit of lemon drizzle cake as well. I'll Ab- take that. Absolutely. Bloody good torture, old chap. Um, right then, boys, let's talk about football. That's what we're here for, after all. Enough of testicles and tea. Lincoln, on Tuesday night, Paul Cook's first home game, a 1-1 draw. Wasn't the most eventful of games, didn't put up any trees. But Hutchin, in the post-game, you described it as a decent point. Obviously, Lincoln, third place in the table. Um, Talent to come from behind. 
uh, turn things around. So just just start with your thoughts on the game, Hutchie. I think it's, all, it's I think it's decent in the context of everything. There's been an upturn in form. Obviously, the, the loss at Gillingham was a, maybe that was a blip in there. Um, but in many in many ways, this game to me felt felt similar to a lot of matches that we've seen already this season under Paul Lambert's management. In that Ipswich didn't really carry a goal threat um, for large spells of it, second best for some significant spells of it. But ultimately, got an equaliser and maybe could have could have won it. But I came away, I came away from it feeling certainly a lot more positive than than some of those Paul Lambert games previously mentioned. There, simply because I can I can begin to see some some signs of of Paul Cook's input on this team. It, it didn't it wasn't free free flowing. It wasn't Ipswich vintage attacking Ipswich at their best. But I'm just beginning to see some signs. That the uh, the new managers starting to have have an effect on this team in terms of a bit more intensity. Um, you can hear what he wants, which is a bit a bit different to the previous manager who who didn't always vocalise exactly what he was after from from his players. But you could hear Cook calling for what he wants. He wants his defenders to step up. He wants his midfielders to step up. He wants the fullbacks to get higher and get forward. And they're starting to do it. And um, so in isolation, I, the, the point's good. I, I, I think it wasn't, it's not free-flowing. It hasn't clicked, but it's going in the right direction. Mm. Roscoe, you were pitch side, privileged position pitch side as, as always. Um, I have to say I'm very much enjoying your Roscoe Reacts videos post-game. They're excellent. A lovely stream of, of consciousness post-game and no swearing yet, which is fantastic. Um, what did you make of it from, from the side of the pitch, Ross? I know you said in your Reacts thing it wasn't the most memorable of games, but a decent point. Yeah, I think a fair result after the first half performance. I'm going to say it was a beautiful first half performance, but I thought mm, we're not going to get anything out of this game. But then, luckily, James Wilson got his second goal in three games um, to get the equaliser. And I felt, yeah, that's a fair result. I think if either side get a goal here to win it, I think it wouldn't have been fair. Um, but yeah, it was, just, it was just a slow game, weren't it, really? Like, Lincoln have got very fast wingers and fullbacks. And that's one thing I'd love us to have. I think anybody my age probably love just fast wingers. We just love those sort of skillful fast wingers. And Lincoln are very well drilled. I think Mock Appleton's done a really good job there in terms of that that's a whole new squad. In the summer they got rid of everybody. Like we, we want to get rid of all of our players at some point. We've got so many players out of contract. But Lincoln, they did that in the summer and they've got a whole new team now. And they've got a few lone players and you know some experienced players in there. Um, and I like the look of Lincoln. I think they, they would deserve to be promoted this season if they do get promoted. But fair result. And I'll echo what Hutchie and Andy said because he said some good stuff. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ross. I like, the way he, I like the way he referred to you as Hutchie and Andy, like two different two, people. Two-headed <laughs> beast. <laughs> Ross, from, from pitch side, it was your first game watching Paul Cook's Ipswich Town. Did you, did you notice anything in terms of changes he obviously wants his players to play higher up the pitch and, and, and press higher and bring more intensity to the game did, did you see any signs of that on Tuesday yeah definitely because he, of course we already know he loves his tea or coffee or <laughs> whatever he's drinking out of that you know one of you guys I think said Bovril maybe um what a, what a chilly night really on Tuesday night it was actually all right until it got to like the 70th minute just to give you some insight on my <laughs> um but no, he was he was very he's not like Lambert where he's like really running around everywhere, like maybe the latter stages of Lambert's time at the town, it was very 
just laid back really, Lambert. But I did like Cook sort of was instructional players, not really like screaming at them, but like telling them, oh, I need you to be there. I need you to, I can't see you. Um, I know it was a time where he was shouting at Jack a lot because I think Jack was out of position or, you know, I need you to run back or whatever. But mm. I like a look at Cook on the touchline at the moment. So calm more often than not kind of considered and uh, and and straight to the point in terms of what he wants that's that's good to hear Hutchie one of the things that has changed has improved not necessarily under Paul Cook because it was starting to improve before set pieces James Wilson got the goal another goal for him uh, got the leveller on, on Tuesday night and incredibly because most of the time in the first part of the season we were bemoaning the lack of goals from corners and free kicks now Town's last six goals have come from set pieces so What's changed? I know Will. You spoke to James after the game, and he said Matt Gill has got a big part to play. But um, what what can you see has changed in terms of Town's sudden success from set pieces? The delivery's improved, which is the first the first thing to to note. Be that I think Andre's had the majority of those assists, but um, Josh Harrop had had the one at at Gillingham um, as well, and. And that's a big part of it. The, the delivery has to be right. That is, has improved. But what James Wilson was highlighted was um, attacking to try and win the first ball, whatever that whatever that meant. Obviously, you're, you're attacking to try and score with that first ball, which which they did at Accrington um, with James Norwood. Um, but if you can't attack, if you can't attack it and score or get a shot with it, just just win it and, and cause a little bit of of chaos and you could see you could see that with this goal against Lincoln it was it was a, a clips little little ball in which which Luke Chambers did really well to get up and win didn't go for goal but what he did do is put it back into an area where where Wilson was was there to stoop and he had to do pretty well there I think to generate the power to get it back across goal and into the far corner and I think there's just I think they're just working on it more which you know raises obviously a few more questions about what what was maybe happening before, but it, it mm. sounds like they've got a more focused, more focused training ground attitude on on set pieces, and it's paying off for them. Mm. And Wilson said something to the effect that they feel like they can score from every set piece now, which is obviously something that's nice to have in your locker if you're struggling through a game. Yep. Have have that ability from set pieces can always you've always got a chance of getting something. Um, we'll come on to mailbag later on, uh, but there's a couple of things I want to talk about that I saw from social media. Uh, first of all, there was a lot of chat about Thomas Holy, Roscoe on the night and subsequently about him struggling uh, and not moving enough, maybe not diving for shots. Obviously the, the first goal was an absolute, or the only goal for Lincoln was an absolute storm. I may have taken a deflection. Um, what what do you make of, of Holy recently? Is it, Have you seen kind of signs that he's struggling a bit? Maybe we need to see a, a switch between the sticks. Like there's some people saying about him not diving. I'm sure it is hard as a, I know he's a goalkeeper. He should be diving, but he is six foot eight. So I'm sure it does take him a while to want to dive. Um, um, like I think a lot of fans, I think they like him as as a character. Um, I think he's a decent goalkeeper at this level, um, but maybe he is a confidence goalkeeper as well. Um, go back to the Julian game, that one moment I think it was for the third goal. Him coming out I was like, "Where are you going, Thomas?" Or Thomas? Thomas? Is it Thomas or Thomas? Hutchie's your man for that. I think it's probably Thomas, but Thomas. let's just go with Thomas because it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. easier. Yeah, it's easier. Um, I think it could be time. I think maybe Cook may have a, may have a little look at Cornell now. He's had two games with Holy in goal. Give Cornell a chance, see what he can do. But I'm going to be—I don't know if this is a controversial statement. I don't think 
going forward, I don't think they're the goalkeepers for us, really. I think we need to look at that position in the summer, possibly. But yeah, I don't know what you guys think. Well, let's ask Hutchie. I think you've made reference to Holy struggling a bit recently, Hutchie. Do you want to talk about that? And also whether or not Town have their goalkeeper going forward? Yeah, I think he is struggling a little bit. Stu and I disagree on this first this first goal a little bit. Um, yeah, having watched it back, it, it does take a deflection, which which obviously makes it significantly harder for, for Holy. Um, but I don't think his footwork's great not just for that goal, but for a lot of goals. Um, and I think that's where a lot of his problems stem for. I don't think he, he's on his toes enough. I don't think he's alive enough. Um, you, it's obviously no good just flinging yourself at a ball. You know you're not going to get. That doesn't make you any better of a goalkeeper than than one that's kind of stood stood still as the ball flies past you. But the, the last five goals that Ipswich have conceded, four of them he stood still and then one of them... At Accrington was obviously he spilled that for um, for Charles to score. So there are obvious things that he needs to work on. I think he's improved since he's been here at Ipswich. We always heard that sort of getting down to the corners was a struggle for him. Obviously he's six foot nine. It's it's difficult. But for me, the footwork the footwork still needs to improve because the reason he's not able to necessarily dive or, or move closer to these to these shots is is because he's I, I just don't feel like he's alive enough on his on his feet to do that. And it, my opinion of this goal has changed having watched it back quite a lot of times. The deflection's obviously an issue. I'm not convinced how I'd like to see it from behind the goal. I'm not convinced how much in the corner that ball ultimately was, but you can't deny it was a brilliant it was a brilliant strike. A really, mm. really well struck ball. It was it was dipping, swerving. How much of that again was down to the deflection, I don't know. Um but for me He's not. He's not really been on it. Um, there are other other parts of his game as well. So he, he he punched a couple of good balls on Tuesday night, but I don't get the impression that his defence are hugely sort of confident with, with him clearing out things. Certainly not to the level that you'd want with a six foot nine goalkeeper. Um, but he does have qualities as well. Um, he's vocal, and I think he does he does help certain members of the team in terms of in terms of positioning and things like that. He's clearly a good character, although he does sort of seems a confidence player, certainly, mm. as as Ross said. Um, so I don't know. I'd, I've not seen enough of, of Cornell to feel like that there's someone absolutely gagging to... Clearly, he's gagging to get in, don't get me wrong, but I've not seen enough from from him to, to feel like that a change is necessarily going to improve things in there. Mm. Um, I think Cook, should, I think Cook will probably want to look at Cornell at some point, but I don't know. I, I think I'm probably with Ross in terms of the goalkeeping unit needing a, needing a look in the summer. Although that's going to be difficult to do because that's the one area of the team where everybody's, they're both under contract. So mm. um, might be easier said than done. Mm. Interesting. That. Let us know what you think about that. Do town need a new number one. That's not called Holy or Tom Ash. Uh, or Di Cornell. Very interesting. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is Andre Dizel, another one that I saw brought up quite a lot on, on social media. Some people, and we talked about set pieces, Andre's often involved in, in that delivery, but a lot, of, a lot of people I saw on social media saying he doesn't deserve his spot in the team. Roscoe, he's, he's, he's too laconic, he's too laid back. We've, we've talked about Tad Midfield being lightweight at times. What, what do you make about people saying that? 
I think um, I know he's a professional athlete. I think he's knackered. <laughs> that's, just, that's what I feel like. Um, it, sometimes he can sometimes slow down the play a little bit. Um, sometimes go a bit sideways. Um, he's got talent there, obviously. Um, but yeah, it could be a time now. Maybe I wouldn't say drop him. Well, he'll be out of the, out of the starting lineup. But maybe maybe bring in someone else and then bring him back into the team. Give him a bit of rest because this is mm. the first time he's played week in week out in his career, really. Because when he did first make his debut, he made a few appearances, didn't he? And then, of course, had that serious injury. Um, and this is the first season where he's played 20, 30 plus games um, every week, except from the, you know, the red card he got mm. and the, the suspension he's had as well. <laughs> um, so in a way, actually, he's had rest during them, them times, but he has played a lot this season. Maybe it's getting catching up to him a little bit, maybe. Yeah, he's gone from from really not playing at all to being one of the first names on the team sheet, hasn't he, Hutchie? Do you, uh, you share any concern about Andre's spot in the team? Not really. I agree that he, I think he probably is knackered. He's, I think it's 29 league starts but he's made this year. Throughout the rest of his career as a whole, he's made 25. So he's made more league starts in the last eight months than he has in the last five years, all told. That's going to catch up with you at some point. Um, I think he was a little loose with the ball on Tuesday night, but at the same time, how how many times do you hear Paul Cook shouting about be brave, be brave from the touchline? And if there's one player that's brave in terms of what he's trying to do with the ball, it's Andre Dizel. Mm. Um, I don't think it would do him harm to dip out for a game or so along the way, but I honestly think he's a, particularly if they can get him going with Flynn Downs in there, I, I, I think he's, I think he's just fine in there. Mm. And I think I actually think that that Cook could be really good for for Dizel, given what he asks of midfielders. He wants well-rounded midfield players. He wants tenacious players who are good on the ball, can use it, can move it, but can also break up play. So if, if they can help coach some of that into Andre, I think Paul Cook could be a really good influence on him. Mm. Any other notes from the games, boy? Because I've got a question I want to ask Hutchie. I need I need you to treat me gently with this question, Hutchie. But is there anything else you want to talk about game-related from Tuesday, either of you? Rossi? James Wilson is a typical... I know it was an equaliser, but all of his goals have been very typical. Yep. And then run back upfield. It's not like he didn't go in the corner and celebrate like the Lincoln City um, loanee. He just yeah. went and did a knee slide, didn't he? But James Wilson, I know it was an equaliser and sometimes you don't celebrate the equaliser well, but he just goes, yep, get in there and walks back. And of course, like, people jump on him. That's the only little input I want to add. I, I like that though. James Wilson is no nonsense, isn't he? As a defender and as a human being, Hutchie, is that fair to say? Yep, I think that's fair. We've, we've talked about him a lot, haven't we? Yeah. And every, every time... I say he know he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses, and he knows how to play to the strengths and hide the weaknesses. And that's all you want, really, from a from a solid defender. Um, before we move on, just a just a quick word of praise for Luke Chambers here, who um, about I don't know how long it was into the game, maybe five or ten minutes, got absolutely steamed past by Cohen Bramall down the um, down the left flank, but it didn't happen again from that point on. I think Luke did a good job of recognising the threat there and um, knowing knowing a weakness and being able to hide it. I think that was um, that was quite important because the pace that he's got at left-back, Bramall, is, is crazy. I think he's probably quicker than Caden Jackson. So if, they, if that had been allowed to, if that had been allowed to be a threat for the, um, for the rest of the game, then that could have caused it to switch some real trouble, I think. Don't you think we should have races for footballers? I'd love to see that. You know, Haven't they done that before? 
I swear okay. they've done that. So you ought to do you ought to have like a, a by league who's the fastest player a little tournament somewhere. I mean, obviously at the moment it's tough to do because of coronavirus and stuff, but I'd be all in on that. I'd pay to watch that, in fact, to see if Caden Jackson is indeed the fastest player in League One. And then you can have the winners from each league race each other. That would be amazing TV. I'd love You know that. when they should do it? They <clears> should <throat> have they should have the um they should have the league ones that do them at half time in the playoff final. Oh yes. Get get them all out there in their kits. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the individual league winners do it at the following season's Charity Shield, Community that, Shield, at halftime. That, that is a brilliant idea. Absolutely Couldn't, brilliant. Let's get it I, done. And what I'd like to add, what I'd really like to add into that as well, from a TV perspective, is have them all wearing heart rate monitors and have their heart rates on the screen, see how excited they are, what kind of resting heart rates they've got. Fantastic. They should also do that for penalty shootouts as well. I'm not sure how you'd do that in the rigmarole of, of after a game, everyone's suddenly got to wear a heart rate monitor, but that make great TV and you can have little like graphs on the screen up and down, up and down, up and down as they're running up to take the penalty. Amazing. Anyway, you can have that for free sky. Um, actually, no, not free, <laughs> not free. Uh, a small, a small fee. Get in touch. Have your people contact my people. Right then boys, moving on from the game, but kind of game related. Hutchie, I need you to be gentle with me here because I've got a very delicate question to ask you. Aaron Drynan. Are we ever going to see Drizzy play for Ipswich Town again? Because obviously, since Cook's come in, he's not been in the squad. He um, he wasted uh, a high-profile over uh, kind of overload, didn't he, against Accrington, which you've shamefully highlighted on Twitter, um, probably influencing Cook's decision. Um, and he's not he's not been around. Obviously, the big man's back. The Hawkman is back from injury now as well. So that's another player in front of him or at least contesting for that spot um what do you reckon and not just Drynan Hutchie Emir Hughes Mark McGuinness are these sort of players that we may not be seeing again I think he will play again yes um and I think I think Tuesday's game at Fleetwood when James Norwood's going to be unavailable due to a court appearance uh might be the window and it might have to be from the bench but he uh, he might have he might have twenty minutes to save his Ipswich Town career at Fleetwood next Tuesday night. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I wouldn't completely I wouldn't completely rule him out being involved. I think Cooks Cooks clearly the kind of the kind of manager who's gonna who's gonna give people a chance if he, he he's trying to learn about these players. He'll see him in training, and it it may be that Aaron has to do his. Um, has to do his work on the training ground to earn a earn a shot in the first team and then and then take it. Um with James Norwood back in form, it was always going to be hard for Drynan, I think, because I think uh, James just brings the goal threat to the team that that Drynan doesn't um consistently enough. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go writing your man off completely just yet, Mark. There's still life in the uh, in the old dog. You're saying there's a chance. If we were yeah. writing a story from this this podcast, that line, 20 minutes to save his Ipswich Town career, that'd be the headline, let me tell you. Roscoe, what about Emir Hughes? A lot of people on Twitter asking where Emir Hughes has gone. We've talked about on here, Stewie particularly saying, it seems like he's once maybe on his way out. What what, what do you reckon on Emir Hughes? Uh, or does, Andy, do you know, is there any updates on him? Is he injured or is he, is he just not? I trying to no, we're trying to find out, trying to find out exactly where he is, but doesn't. I, I don't think he. Uh, I'm not feeling it. I, I, <laughs> sadly, 
sadly, I, th- I don't know what you think, Ross, but sadly, I think I think it might be coming to an end for him here. Did, did he, I think he signed a four-year deal when he first signed, didn't he? Which was a, a massive contract, just like Paul Lambert's, which was, we won't get into that, I won't mention him again. It's gone, but, let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will let it go. Um, but yeah, I think he's had, I know he's had his injuries, unfortunately. Um, you know, this season, weirdly enough, at the start of the season, he was playing maybe the most football he's ever played for the club. So that was good to see. But if he is injured again, then yeah, that, that I'm sure that is definitely cut his town career pretty much. And we, yeah, we may not see him ever again. Mm. Hopefully, yeah, a different club, but as yeah, town, not no more. <laughs> yeah, tough to see how he's going to fit back into the, the picture at the moment. Uh, and just McGuinness as well, Hutchie. Obviously, not seen him for a little while. Do you think he's still got a role to play at some point? I suppose it depends on injuries and things mm, like that. I think he's well. I think he's going to be down the pecking order. I think he's going to have a real job. Um, clearly, Toto and Wilson are, are in there at the moment. Wilson, I think, I think should really be there to stay for the mm. for the run in now. And then you'd think that Luke Wolfenden Luke Wolfenden's going to be ahead of McGuinness for for the other centre back position. And I think there's also a a real real chance that Luke Matheson comes back into the equation here, which would make Chambers an option mm. for centre half as well. So I'd be I'd be from this point I'd be just I would be surprised if we saw McGuinness again. Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's something I think there was I saw a stat that there were no lone players were there in the starting eleven on, on Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah. I made that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So, as a new manager coming in, do you think he's going to be less inclined to play the lone players because you want to see what you've got as as talent at your club, don't you? Not players that you've kind of got on loan and you've, you've referred to before, kind of shot polishing off the rough edges for other teams. You want to see what you've got at your disposal, don't you? Yeah, and I think does that maybe tell us that, that the loans that came in weren't the cut above hmm. what was already here in the first place, which is probably what we've... Did any of them come in, and we we suddenly thought that all of them were instantly, instantly, instantly upgrades on on the positions they came in? McGuinness seemed like a strange signing at the time. Bennett's was a bit of a a flyer and someone that someone that the team probably maybe didn't have. So maybe you could say he potentially was Harrop, similar kind of player to judge. Um, Luke Thomas nowhere to be seen. Who am I forgetting? Parrot. Troy Parrot. Troy, Troy, Troy Parrot. No, I think I think Troy Parrot's going to play a big a big role between now and the end, end of the end of the season. He might be a, he's another obstacle for for your man Drynan to overcome. But um, no, I, I don't think there's a, a a definite agenda there. But I think it maybe is just a sign that those players weren't the cut above that was required, and and then. Like you've said, Mark, the natural thing for Cook would be to would be to go with the players that are going to be part of the, the mm. thing that the plan long term. Although saying that, so many of them are out of contract, they must all feel like kind of rented guns to to Cook. Should he should he want them to be? It's hired guns, isn't it? Not rented hired guns. guns. Well, you can. I guess you can have rented rented guns. Still, technically yeah. correct, right? Just yeah. Not yeah, but yeah, so many of them are are out of contract or on short term deals now for Cook mm. that. Um, but then again, I guess if, if if it's a player that's out of contract in the summer, at least Ipswich have control over whether that player gets a new contract or not, whereas they don't with the loan players. So no, I think there's the you know, there might well be something in in what you've suggested. Yes. Score. 
Um, Luke Thomas obviously needs to lay off the, the chewing tobacco as well, doesn't he? It can't be good for an athlete. Hutchie, Paul Cook, you spoke to him again today. Um, we've gone from famine to feast when it comes to speaking to Hitchwich Town Manager. It feels like you've spoken to him every day since he was appointed. Um, just bring folks from a peek behind the curtain style up to speed on, on how he was today and uh, and what he said. I think he's uh, I think he's beginning to feel like he's speaking to us every day at the moment, which which he is. That's three of the last four days of of a job that he's only been in for what nine days, and he's done one, two, three, four, five press conferences in nine days. But uh, he was on good form again this morning. I think that yeah, I think he always is. Um, he's got got a joke in there. Um, can talk a lot of sense when he talks about football. Um, particularly talking about man management today and the importance of that, given the size of the squad and how many players are being juggled, um, which he talks a lot of a lot of sense about and places a lot of stock in. And you, you can give our website a little click and you can read on read on that at the moment. But no, he's, he's in good form. I think he's clearly enjoying himself, getting his teeth into a new job, meeting a lot of people, talking a lot, and um, generally getting his feet under the table, which um, sooner he feels really comfortable the better. Mm. Okay, um, let's hit... My, we haven't done a mailbag for a while because there's been so much upheaval and pods have been all over the shop with various people being on furlough and everything happening. So, Hutchie, I thought we'd have a mailbag today to celebrate Roscoe's return and, and also, friend, because I want to hear you those vocal cords stretched again. Would you mind indulging? I will, but this is the first time I've done this since we've got the new microphone, so I'm a okay. little bit worried about how uh, how it will come across, but I'll see what I've got. Mailbag, mailbag, it's time for Mark Andy Ross to dip into the mailbag. <laughs> How was that? That was lovely. It was nice to hear. I, I think you, you almost stumbled, didn't you, on the words there? I, I think there was Stu coming in. Yeah, I forgot. He's not it's here, a, is he? It's been a while. Stu uh, is at, on loan at Furlough FC today. Um. Right then, we've kind of got a split of what I'd call serious football questions and kind of less serious non-football questions. So what I'll do is we'll do the football questions, then we'll hit the strike to segue into some some silliness, and then we'll finish by talking serious stuff, Plymouth on Saturday. So first question, Hutchie, James Houston wants to know, and there's a couple of others who asked similar questions, how long until Toto drops out of the start, starting lineup, and will it be Chambers or Wolfenden that replaces him? There's another question along the same lines which is about Matheson. Brad says, I've got to feel Matheson will come in at right back soon and Chambers will move into the centre. Um, Chambers has been fairly solid, but it's hurting us so much him not going forward. And this has been told not to overlap his man and stay back. So what do you reckon, Hutchie? I think the latter of those scenarios is the most likely with um, giving Matheson a go. And um, I'm led to believe that Matheson's had a, a little bit of a knock, which is why he's not been he's not been around for, for a little while now. Um, so I think... If there was a change at the back, I think it would be Chambers inside. Um, mm. Matheson uh, right back. How long has Toto got? That's up to him, isn't it? Um, I, I don't think I'd be rushing to to drop him now. Um, I think I'd still I'd go with that same, probably with that same back five again at the weekend. But um, if it, if it does happen, I think it will be the Chambers Matheson switch rather than. Um, rather than Wolfenden, who may need to be a little bit more patient. Okay. 
Um, next up, friend of the show, Nigel G, NHS hero. Thank you for your service, all that sort of stuff. Nigel wants to know, Roscoe, should Guion be moved back to left wing again? He seems to be struggling on the right. Um, and will we see the more direct play we saw just before Paul Cook's appointment when we were pressing teams more and getting ball in the final third quicker as opposed to the Lincoln game? So your boy Guion started like his trousers were on fire, or shorts, shall we say, playing football. Um, obviously had a little injury, been out for a while. Um, what do you reckon? Where's his best position? Where would you play him on the pitch? Well, he's quoted many times. His best position is left wing. So <laughs> left wing, I think, yeah. uh, would be would be ideal for him to play there. Um, I, I was I was surprised really, like because who was playing? Who was playing? Um, left was it Judge who was playing left wing? No, who was playing left wing on um on Tuesday? I completely forgot the lineup already. Who was playing on the wing? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you to keep trying to work it out. Oh, <laughs> you were sat a few feet away from them, Ross. Oh dear, <laughs> oh, I wasn't a lone player. Oh, what's, <laughs> what's his name? What is his name? Oh dearie me, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've... Jack Lancaster. Oh yeah, it's him, Jackie boy. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, but then Jack's not really, I don't know, he's not really a left winger. He's more of a right winger, really, isn't he? Or he can plan that CM role. Um, so I was sort of surprised why Guillaume's not playing left wing when he's a left winger. Um, but yeah, I want to see more direct play because I felt like the wingers, they were just missing, really, most most of the game. You know, my boy Guillaume, he's not going to score his goals. He's not going to be top goal scorer if he's just missing the whole time. Get him on the left wing then, boy Ross says. Yeah. Right then, Roscoe, I've got a question from two, I think, of your, your game to extra time posse. I'm going to put it to Hutchie because they're both kind of similar questions. Ben Diath and David Flisher. Um, ben says, how do we create more from open play and stop leaving Norwood so isolated? Our wingers have to contribute more. For me, that's certainly Cook's most important problem to solve. And David says, how do you speed up the attacking transition, which is ponderous and causes us to get bogged down? Could Hughes be rejuvenated to be the answer? So, Hutchie, how the town, the million-dollar question, get better at playing football? <laughs> this is... Um, I feel like if I can get this question right, I deserve some kind of financial... You do, yeah. Um, Consultant. ...from the football club. Um, it's clearly their biggest issue. Um, I Personally, I, I think a lot of their attacking trouble comes from, um, comes from the width, uh, which I don't think has been there. Um, all season, honestly, I think it's going to be something that that's going to be properly addressed in the summer. I think that's where the real the real fix will come. Um, he just needs to find his right combination. They need to they need to speed the ball up. He wants to do that um, both from defence and the fullbacks. Maybe that fullback switch that we talked about a minute ago could help speed that up a little bit. Um, I think if you want to speed the ball up, I think probably Dezel and does. <sighs> Dazelle and Downs are probably your two in there, but you need to get them the ball a little bit higher up the pitch. And then I think maybe switching the wingers over could help that as well, because they're, if you're playing it inside on your wrong foot, you're, you're funneling inside towards Norwood, which should get you that little bit closer. Um, and I think also that Parrot, Parrot helps, helps mm. that in that number 10 role. Um, I think he helped, particularly in the games that, that Ipswich won prior to Cook arriving. He, he, he was played that role really well. He was close to Norwood, but also good on the ball to take it off the central midfielders. And then you've also got you've got Teddy Bishop in there who can is one of few sort of centrally in the team that can move the ball with the ball at his feet. So I think the blend is there. They just they just need to 
they need to find some time to work on this stuff at the training mm. ground. And in terms of the width, which was that David's David's point in there, um, I honestly think the bet. I, I think that's going to be a summer job. I think we might see some quite heavy recruitment in those in those areas. Okay, time will tell. We'll take a couple more kind of serious questions. Matt Thomas, friend of the show, also asked something about creating chances. Hopefully you feel that's covered for you there, Matt. Chris Bennett, Roscoe, says it's time for us to go with a front three of Jackson, Norwood and Parrott in a 4-3-3 formation. All out attack. Goals, goals, goals. And you're shaking your head. You don't agree with Chris? Mm, no, we, we tried 4-3-3. Didn't really work, did it? <laughs> so, you know, what Jackson, he is quick. You know, and sometimes, yeah, playing on the wing, he could do a job. But sometimes I don't think he's he's trained that way. He's been coached that way. I think he's bet, better with, and we've, we've proven that last season, he's better with two up front or maybe just behind, um, maybe maybe Norwood. Um, you know, I like 4 through 3 it's, it's my choice of formation sometimes, but we've got to have the right players for that. And I don't think Parrot he's not a winger, is he? I think he's... he's up front or in that 10 role. So hmm. not for me. Um, or sure, of course, I want us to go forward, forward, forward and attack, attack, attack. But I don't think we've got the players really to do that, unfortunately. Yeah, you know who seems- has got the players? Sorry, Lincoln. Yes. <laughs> look, at, look at Lincoln. Morgan Rogers, Brennan Johnson, two young players. Can go outside, can go inside. Good on the ball, can drift, can use it. They've, they're the kind of players that work in a 4-3-3. Mm. We've we've seen Jackson played out wide, haven't we? Already this season, it's it's never really worked. Um, he's not someone who's going to go by people. He more needs the ball played into him, doesn't he? To to chase and use that electric pace. Um, right. Final serious question before we hit the strike. Patrick Palmer, double P, um, has asked two questions actually. So I'll leave this to you, Hutchie. Which one you want to answer? He says, um, "How about an early summary of Cook? How's he come across? And would it be unfair to say a finish outside of the top six would be a failure?" looking at what he's inherited. That's question number one. Pick one of these to answer, Hutchie. He says, if I may get a second question, is our strong actually so str- is our squad sorry actually so strong in this league? If that's the case, why do we struggle to turn that into success? The quality of the squad is overrated and there are serious gaps in quality, particularly in wide positions. So pick one of those and answer them, Hutcho. Kind of answered the second one about wide, wide positions. So I'll answer the first one. How's Paul Cook come across? He's come across as warm, excited driven and um and i think he's going to be a good i think he's going to be a good asset to this football club um that's how he's come across to me um i think he's come in with his eyes open and i think he knows what he wants to achieve and he knows he knows that this is a chance for him to get promoted straight away i think it's there for them and i I think I'm at the stage now where I would be a little, maybe a little surprised if they did finish outside the mm. top six. But even if they don't make it, I don't think that's going to be a black mark against against Cook. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's come across really well. I think he explains things well. I think he is honest, and um, and I think he's a man with a plan. So uh, be interesting to see how it unfolds. It's all there for them, isn't it? The playoffs are definitely there. The, the running yep. is kind. They are seventh. You know, only a, is it a point outside the playoffs now? Game in hand. It's all there for them. Um, so let's let's hope, fingers crossed. And then four promotions on his CV. That would be if he can get town up. What a success that would be. How good would that look? Um, right. There are other questions on here, but we, we've covered most of them. Just want to shout out the people of Aston. Rob Hughes asked about Holy. Big John Watson asked about Emir Hughes. 
um, and others have asked kind of questions. Sindre asked about, about Drizzy and Hughes and Drynan. So we've covered those, hopefully. But let's move on, Roscoe, to a little dollop of nonsense that I like to call, or we all like to call, and it's been too long, The Strike. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Strike, brought to you by the greatest quiz show host on planet Earth, producer Ross. So you say the strike is nonsense, so let's talk about a nonsense player um, who's been absolutely unbelievable the last few weeks. Um, good old Mars Kenlock, Kenny, um, to his nickname from the players. That's all I hear on the pitch is just Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. So this is um, in honour of Mars Kenlock. Um, so, yeah, are you ready? I've you never think- been. I've never been more ready. Can I also just throw in, though, that footballers' nicknames are some of the, the least creative nicknames in, in the history of nicknames. Basically, take their surname and add a Y to the end of it. Shorten it and add a Y to the end of it. That's basically what they do. More, more please, footballers. I want to hear better nicknames uh, as someone who loves nicknames. But anyway, Wossie, uh, get back on with, with the strike. I digress. Yeah, you've got Gudgy, Chambo, Scusi. Yeah, not very creative. You know, Nors, just get rid of Woods. But anyway, yes, Mars Kenlock. Um, done some research, um, not deep research, because not much on Mars Kenlock. He hasn't done many interviews, and there's not much about him. Um, and he's been one of those strange players where a manager hasn't really liked him that much, so he's not had an opportunity to score goals or really do much. But um, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but he's done well the last few weeks. So praise, praise him, praise him, and what's it's all that. Um, so first question is a standard one. Um, which month was he born? So, we've got three options. April, <laughs> September, or November. Could we not just have 12 options? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the very nature of a year gives you 12 options. Um, what is it? April, September, or November, you said? Yeah. I'm going to say September. What was it? What was the other one? April, September, or what was the other one? November. Yeah. Uh, November. It's November. Oh. Oh. Did, you know, did, did you know that seventy percent, I think, it is of Premier League football players are born in the fir- in the um the second half of the year? That doesn't t- surprise. That doesn't surprise me. School year. Exactly. School it doesn't year. surprise me because then they'll be the oldest in the year, won't they? Mm. And therefore, technically, you'd imagine them to be more physically developed and and prolific, um, and therefore pushing on and doing big things in sport. Doesn't surprise me. Anyway, oh, sorry, Ross. That's right. I'm going to test your geography here and see if you know where Mars Kenlock is. Uh, was born in South London. Which part of South London was he born? Was it um, Lewisham, Croydon or Peckham? Croydon. I was going to say Croydon just because I like saying Croydon. Um, uh, hmm, Peckham, of course. Home of your favourite TV show, Roscoe. So I'm going to say Peckham. You should have said Croydon. It's Croydon. (laughs) It's unbelievable. We've not had a strike for a little while. And even though he doesn't really know the answers, Hutchie is still roasting me. How do you know I don't know the answers? Oh, you probably do know the answers. You're that good. Question three. Um, Now, before he joined town, he was at a a charity called Kinetic Foundation. But before that, he was a schoolboy player at which club? Is it Charlton? (laughs) 
Crystal Palace or Millwall? Um, I'm going to say Charlton because you wouldn't put that in otherwise. <laughs> well, good detective work. I like it. I'm going to say Crystal Palace though. It's Crystal Palace. Oh, so you did put it in. You just wanted to say Charlton. You just wanted what? to show off, show off that he can do it now. Yeah. yeah. And also, I, I I googled South London football clubs, and they're in South London. So, <laughs> I option. excellent. Now, getting on to his league debut. He made his debut in the cup against Stevenage. So I thought that was an easier question because we we played Stevenage like four times in the in the league cup in like six years. So I thought. It's got to be his league debut. So, against which team in 2016? Was it MK Dons, Bristol City or Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, who do you make his debut against? Um, Sheffield. I'm going to say Sheffield Wednesday. I'm going to say MK Dons. He's done it again. It's MK Dons. Oh, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> What's the score like? 4-0? 4-0. 4-0. Yeah, I've got I've got one more question and then a tiebreaker. So it's up to you if you're happy to continue. Yeah, come on, let's let's finish this. Let's let's see if I can lose six nil. Okay, so this is um now the closest to the correct answer. So how tall is Miles Kenlock? In what feet and inches? Feet, yeah, an inch, yeah. Um, you have an advantage here, Hutchie, because I'm I'm sure you've probably stood next to Miles Kenlock at some point. I've never had the pleasure, so. I'm saying Miles Kenlock is six foot tall. That's what I was going to say as well. Um, I will say in that case, six one. It is six one. Although oh, it's Wikipedia, so I, don't know how, you know, I don't know how truthful Wikipedia can be. I'm sure. It's bang on, mate. It's absolutely yeah. bang on that. Bob on, five nil. This is an absolute tonking. Yeah, um, and then quickly with a tiebreaker, um, how many assists has he provided in 94 games for the Blues? So, uh, closest, uh, close, closest number correct. Come on, Heath, get a goal back. Uh, how many assists has he provided in 90? How many games? 90? Four. 94. I'm going to say he's provided six assists. I'm going to say four assists. It's um, eight, actually. Yeah. Oh. Get the ball back to the halfway line, Heath. <laughs> We're still in this. Oh no, that's it. So, have you got any yeah, more? Have you got any more, Ross? Keep going. Um, I was going to say his middle name, but then it changes a lot. It's on the different pages. It's Sutton else. I think he's got like a two middle names, Lewis George. But um, yeah, I don't know. Miles that's Lewis it. Kenlock. Nice. Yeah, I don't know what boots. Maybe what boots? I could have checked. Maybe what boots does he wear? Quickly check a picture and see. But it's done. It's done. I'm, I'm toast. Stick a fork in me. I'm done, Ross. Um, do you want to? Do you want to outro, Roscoe? Yes, yeah, so I've got Miles on the line. I haven't done. It's good luck, Barry. Take it away. Hi, guys. Barry Cotter here. That was another edition of the Strike with producer Ross. Tune in next week for another edition of the Great Quiz Show. Cheers, Baz. Thank you very much. Excellent. Good to have the strike back. I hope you all enjoyed that listening at home. Um, right then, let's take a few kind of less serious questions to round off mailbag, and then we'll talk about Plymouth to finish off the show. Our old friend Skylar, I think his name's Matt. 
I'm assuming he's got some stars in his in his his Twitter name. Do you think Cook prefers a sausage or bacon butty with his endless brews? I reckon bacon and ketchup is his order. Um, me and me and you, Hutchie, share thoughts on on bacon versus sausage. It would always be sausage for me, uh, and probably with brown sauce. I don't know where you stand on that. Yeah, um, Roscoe, what do you reckon? What do you reckon Cook is is having with his endless brews? Would you go bacon butty? Mm. No, I'm sausage. I'm a sausage man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love myself a sausage. Um, a butty. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, let's move on. Question from Harvey Davis, sweet Welsh prince and friend of the show, Hutchie. He says, trying to find it. Uh, where's it gone? There we go. Um, he says, is it, ha- I'm genuinely curious as to how important it is for local media to have a relationship with the manager. I know results on the pitch are the priority, but it feels as though the whole club, regardless of results, has had a new lease of life since Cook came in. Um, so I guess he's saying there, there was obviously tension between Lambert and the media, not just not just us, but wider sections of the media. Uh, how important is it for the manager to have a good relationship with with local media, would you say? Um, I think it's a bad thing to have a bad relationship. Mm. I don't. I don't think you necessarily need to and I don't think Paul Cook's going to do this. I don't think you need to try and cosy up to the media. Um, mm. I think those can that can end badly um, when when people try try and do that. It it maybe ends with both sides not doing their jobs properly. Um, I think Paul Cook's going to be a bit more like a bit more like Mick McCarthy in that regard, in kind of kind of a friendly, warm um, relationship that's better when the going's good can be a bit spiky when the going's bad, but ultimately a level of respect there. Um, Obviously things went a little bit South with Mick towards the end, but in in general, that's how it was. And I think that's how it will be with cook. I think he, I don't think he's going to be someone we have a relationship with as such, but I think he'll, um, he'll handle it all very well and be, be honest. And um, that's the best thing you can be. A mm. couple of similar questions uh, around Cook. Sindre and Julian Hughes. Um, Julian asks, how refreshing is it for you as media to have Cookie to question? Um, and do you confer with each other as, as to the questions for the press conference? Uh, or is it just down to whoever's doing the, the interview? Or does social media play a part? And Sindre just asks, again, peek behind the curtain time, is there a reason why um, Stu does the post-match interviews with the manager? So you're the man to, to answer that as well, Hutchie. Um. Stu and I confer pretty much over everything that we do. We what you're we talk, and yeah, what you're wearing, yeah, and yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, we talk about we talk about everything. We um we speak a lot. Um, try and be very careful with to to get the right tone with everything that we do. That's regardless of who's writing it, who's asking, who's asking the questions. Um, why does why is it is generally Stu that does the post match interview with the manager? Um. That's kind of a, a logistical thing. Um, also down to the fact Stu's been here a lot longer than me. Stu, Stu's always done that. He's very good at it. Um, so this is maybe more of a peek behind the curtain than people wanted. But when when I came in and started working here, I was kind of building, we kind of built a job as a second Ipswich Town reporter, didn't we? So So a lot of the things that I do on match day are kind of things that have been built around what we were already doing. Um, of which one of those things was, was Stu interviewing the manager after the game. So we just built some extra things in. I do those extra things. 
Stu does Stu does the manager says you know that's that's the reason why it's just just a logistical thing really mm. uh, further peek behind the curtain so i don't think people probably unless you work as a journalist or have done appreciate the the skill and the art of interviewing so much i mean anyone can ask questions but the the sequence in in how you ask questions and the, and the way you word questions there's a real art and skill to that um and Stu, as you say is particularly good at it and particularly towards the end of the lambert um era we, we talked a lot didn't we about questions that, sh- that should be asked and how to word them and and when to put them in conversation that sort of thing so i'd certainly say that there's a definite kind of underrated skill to interviewing you only have to watch someone like michael parkinson for example who's one of the best interviews you could ever you could ever watch to to appreciate that uh, and it, it really is quite a difficult thing to do to get a good mm. interview out of someone um anyone as i say anyone can ask questions but to actually structure it right and get a really good interview where you're bringing stuff out of people that is a real skill um Right then, next question about Cook again from Andrew. Has Paul Cook got your names wrong yet? Obviously, Lambert famously called Stu Steve for a while back in those halcyon days where we all had a, a little bit of fun with Lambo. Um, so, <laughs> has, has Cook, Cookie to his mates, I'd imagine, um, has he got your names wrong yet, Hutchie? Not, not yet, although to be, to be fair, he has helped significantly given that most of them have been done over Zoom and our names are written <laughs> yeah. in, in the in the box so so he would be he'd be doing very well um freddie sears famously uh has called brenna woolly brennan for Bren- the last for the last five years um <laughs> brennan the character from stepbrothers i don't know if he's just having a bit of a laugh with brenna there or whether he gen- genuinely doesn't know um but no he's not he's not got the names wrong yet but he has had name tags essentially it's got too late as well. Once you've left it five years, it's far too late now to go. Sorry, Freddie, my name's actually uh, my name's actually Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to jump in there early. Um, Roscoe, question from Dave Strang: Who's got the biggest nose, Stephen Ward or Paul Cook? <laughs> I've got a big nose. To be fair, Sasha, my girlfriend, she always say I've got a big nose, so she always goes like that down it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm up there. Oh, Stephen Ward though. Stephen Ward, just for the obviously you can't see what Ross was doing there. So just for the avoidance of doubt, he was stroking his nose. That's what he was doing with his nose. I too uh, am nasally gifted. It's fair to say. Um, so maybe we can have a nose off one day. Um, Hutchie, a couple more questions. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Uh, Harry Butcher wants to know. This is it's one kind of serious question and one half serious. So Harry just wants to know out of the sorry friend of the show, Harry Butcher, the man with the arrows, out of the fifteen out of contract players in the summer, how many would you keep, Hutchie? And then he also wants to know what's your favourite protein shake flavour, um, which I'd probably jump in and say most protein shake flavours are disgusting um, and you have to be really careful with the sort of protein that you have because a lot of it can cause terrible problems with your insides. Yeah. Um, so the best I've, I've actually genuinely ever had, I think, was strawberry from um, Holland and Barrett, just the home name brand. But then I have a sensitive tummy. Um, so there you go. Hutchie, 15 out of contract players. I was going to say, I've got absolutely nothing to add in the world of protein shakes, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. Uh, this is all. Oh, Hutchie, you've muted yourself. So I have. Yeah. Uh, I'm back. Um, yeah, it's almost a podcast in itself, isn't it? It is. Um, shall, we, shall we keep it for for a later podcast? It might be it might be a good conversation point. Let's do that. Thank you, yeah. Harry. We'll take that idea going forward. I should also mention as well that protein shakes pretty much unnecessary unless you're really trying to 
put on serious size. You can get everything you need from a, an exercise point of view and, and building muscle from a good diet with plenty of natural protein. Uh, of course, the health and health and fitness industries led you to believe you have to be gargling protein in everything that you do. You can even get protein coffee, which is ridiculous. You don't need that. Um, right then, final question. I think it is. Where did I see it? Uh, Nick Allen, who for some reason wants to know what my 5K PB is, Nick. Um, you're holding a gun in your avatar, so I'm going to answer you because I, I fear if I ignore you, there may be consequences. Uh, it's 24-27, Nick. Um, so pretty average, I've got to say. No, eight minutes off John Nolan's scorching 5K time from the summer. Um, he is obviously a professional athlete. Mine's very much average, um, and I'm getting older now, so chances of me bettering that at any point, probably low. But there you go. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Are there any more questions on the lighter side of life? Just make sure I haven't missed any. Uh, I don't think there is. There we go, then. That's the end of Mailbag. Hope you enjoyed that. Return to Mailbag. We'll be coming back to that every now and then, um, given everything that's been going on at town. It's been tough to shoehorn one in. Actually, let's talk Plymouth. At home on Saturday. Going to be, obviously, Paul Cook's first win of his reign. Plymouth are in terrible form. They've lost four of their last five, including defeats to Wigan and Northampton. So it's going to be dead easy, this, isn't it, Hutchie? Steamrolling. It's trending that way, isn't it? Start with a defeat, then a draw, then a win. Um, yeah, it's, to be honest, I think they probably should have lost. They could easily have lost the reverse game at Home Park back in, I think it was early December, that one. Um, red card for Danny Mayer changed that one. Two quick goals, flipped it on its head. But before then, they uh, could quite conceivably have been heading for defeat. Everything I've seen of Plymouth has been good. Um, I like Ryan Lowe. He's a manager that's heading in the right direction. Um, he's got Berry promoted and then he's done a good job at, at Plymouth. They've obviously got the striker, Jeff Cutt, who's in, um, who scored a lot of goals this season. They've, they've had that poor run, but then in amongst all of that, there's recently been a victory over Lincoln at home, hasn't there? I think they won 4-3, yeah. 4-3 at home. Um, they've got goals in them. They've got creativity in them. They haven't got Frank Nubel in them anymore. He's he's back at Colchester, but um, no, I, I like the look of Plymouth from everything that I've seen. I think it could be, I think it could be a, could be a decent game. Um, but but it does feel like it's time for the the Paul Cook era to get to get well and truly off and running. Mm. Yeah, this is a game that, that Town should win, isn't it, Rossi? What what would you do with the side? Um, it's not much. T- I would say there's not much to change, is there, really? I don't think. Um, I like the idea of not having the lone players in, but then I think maybe you have to put Parrot in the squad at some point because I think he has been a key player in those wins um, before Cook came in. Um, you know, the question mark is, do you drop Toto? But then he's been... A, it's a weird... I don't, I'm not really... I'm not probably the best person to answer, really. I never know with lineups. I never really know really what to say. I'm just sort of like, let the managers do their job. You know, and stuff like that. I oh, know it's a good discussion point, but I'm just, I don't know what to say. If we let the managers do their job, we'd have no job. Uh, yeah. Moscow, so, uh, <laughs> there'd be nothing to talk about. Hutchie, what about you? Tell us what you do with the side. Would you? Just, I'd let Paul Cook just do his job, to be honest, mate. It's not, <laughs> it's not for me. It's not for us to predict the outcome either. What, that's what, that's for the players. Exactly. What are we doing? We're wasting our time here. Let's all, let's all do something else. <laughs> um, I think this, I think this is going to be really interesting. I think, 
Tuesday night was interesting in itself, but I think that there's a lot of areas of this team you could look at and wonder whether Cook would make a change there. We've talked about Toto, we've talked about the goalkeeper, we've talked about potentially what a change for Toto might mean for the fullbacks. We've talked about Andre Dezel already. This is just in this podcast, isn't it? We've talked about Andre Dezel, about whether he should drop out of the team. I'd like to see Troy Parrott in the side, but that would that would probably mean dropping one of Andre Dezel or Teddy Bishop. Um, Teddy, the other night, had some decent moments. I thought he's he's the most likely to break the lines and run with the ball. Um, I think either he or Andre, um, a, a rest for them wouldn't be a bad thing um, because I think whichever one of them, say one of those dropped out for this game, I think they would potentially come back come back into the side for the Fleetwood game because I feel sure that Parrot will be the man leading the line um, for that game, um, push him up into the central striking role with Norwood absent. So maybe this is the time to give Andre a little rest, um, put Teddy back in there with, with Flynn Downs, Troy Parrot behind Norwood. And then I don't know what you do with the wide areas. I think, I think Guion Edwards, I'd like to see him on the left. Um, I know it's not a hugely popular opinion, but Alan Judge on the right, I quite like. Uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not what he's not what Cook wants. He's not kind of a a runner. He's more of a drifter and a creator. But he's been there in so many ways. He's been their best player at the start of this year. I think you need to find a way to get him in the team. I'd, I'd consider. I think if this was Paul Lambert's team now, that would be what he would do. I think he'd go back to to judge back on the right. Um, but we don't know how to second guess Paul Cook yet, do we? Mm. We're still we're still learning. Um, but there are so many areas of this team where you can make an argument for a change. Mm. Roscoe, and you're probably going to say this isn't really for you to say either. But um, can I get a prediction out of you? Would you? Is that something you're you're happy to talk about or? Yeah, as you know, I, I sometimes get it right. Um, <laughs> more than me just guessing. I want to go back to my previous statement. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to echo what Hutchie just said about <laughs> don't know yet about Cook with his decisions. He hasn't really had many games to really know what his regular starting lineup is. So I'm just backtracking a little bit. I'm digging myself a hole. Yeah. The- just um, just stop just stop digging and give us a prediction. Yeah. Um, two one to town, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2-1 town. Uh, it's got to be a win, hasn't it, Hutchie? Don't you think? I was going to say 2-1 as well. Um, so so I am. I'm going to say 2-1. 2-1 all round then. And, and the first win of the Paul Cook era, hopefully. It's takeoff as we surge towards the playoffs. Um, boys, anything else to mention? I don't, I don't want to mention, Rossi, while you're here. Talk to us a little bit about your chat with Luke Hyam because um, Ross Meets Series 3 is back. It's going to be dropping every... Sunday, 9am, every other Sunday, isn't it? So there's going to be one out every two weeks. Um, you spoke to Luke for the first one, obviously timely, because he actually, uh, I think he was a, you were the first person he spoke to about his retirement, weren't you? So th- there's that in there. Just talk to us about that and also what else is to come in, in this series of Ross Meets? Yeah, I sort of went, oh, bugger, when they the club announced it. Of course, I think that's a good platform for him to really have it officially out there. <laughs> of course, we could have gone quickly and got it out there and sort of say, here we are with the first people. But um, yeah, he. He just dropped in there out of nowhere before the chat, before we actually started recording. He said, yeah, I've retired. I went, oh, oh, have you told anybody? Of course, he told close friends and family and maybe a few players at the club. But um, yeah, it was a really good chat with Luke because, you know, he's a Suffolk boy. So we've just got, you know, a lot of things in common that way. And, you know, for him, for a lot of us who support, you know, your your hometown club, 
that is your dream to play for your hometown club. And he had the opportunity to do that. He made over 100 appearances, played played under some very different managers from Roy Keane to Paul Jewell to then Mick McCarthy. Um, of course, injuries sort of ended his time at the club, unfortunately. Um, you know, we mentioned the red card against Alan Judge. Um, but it was a really good chat. And I'm, I'm looking forward to releasing the other episodes. It's been it's a, a different balance of different players involved from maybe icons of the club to even just players who maybe only had a, a key you know time at the club but have a story to tell about their career or even just their life in general so I'm looking forward to, to sharing them. Can you give us names Roscoe obviously you know who they are can we talk about who they are who, who, who's coming up for people to look forward to? Oh I sort of want to make it a surprise but then I'm very I'm always always wanting to tell people I think as you know I'm, I'm never good at surprises so um so not this Sunday coming, but next, um, a player that I've been wanting to speak to for a very long time because I was a big fan of him, Jamie Peters, is episode two. Ah. Um, good old Jamie Peters. Um, good old Jamie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was a really good chat with him. You know, he's one of the players who, who left us in 2012 and he's never he's not been seen since. Mm. He hasn't signed another club. But um, yeah, a really good chat with him about work permits and, you know, Janoy Donation got... Um, <laughs> Got got talked involved in that as well because you know Joy had that situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely good. banging hours chat about work permits. I just <laughs> of all the, of all the things you could have said there, that you talked to Jamie Peters about great chat about work permits. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, it's interesting and, you know, it's, yeah, it's a really good chat. And I'm sure I'm sure fans will be <laughs> see where he's what he's been up to in the last eight years or so because he's not played for another club since leaving town. So there we go. Is, it, is he in Canada? Back in Canada now. Yeah, he's back in Canada coaching, uh, coaching kids, um, and he's just yeah, he's he's loving life. And we had to sort out the time difference, of course, when we we, we um, did the thing. So I took the short straw and did an early. No, no, he did the early one. He actually he woke up at seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning to do it. So big up to Jamie for that. There you go, transatlantic now, Ross mate. So look forward to that. Obviously, he also discussed the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre as part of that chat as well. Uh, <laughs> I jest. Uh, and Roscoe, also, of course, you are the host of Game Day Extra Time, the Extra Time Posse. That's going to come to you as well on this channel. Who have you got on this week? Can you, can you tell people? Uh, ben, Loomers. Because I've got too many Toms, so I've sort of started getting nicknames for different people because I don't want to keep calling people Tom, Tom 1, Tom 2. So he's Bloomers. Um, Darren, good old John Watson. Good old John Watson. And Dan, he's making his debut. He was on Game Day on Saturday and he's got a book coming out. So he's going to be sort of doing a bit of plug about his book on Game Day Extra Time, so tune in for that. Excellent. Dan's a fantastic man. Um, so that will be going out, it'll be, what? when's that go out? Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, one of the two. So look out for that. Luke Heim, you've got to catch up with if you've not already. Game Day Extra Time as well after this. Um, yeah, lots of content coming out. Hutchie, have you got anything to add before we, we get back to our, our daily lives? I have actually. Oh. Um, I, I achieved a bit of a dream on, on Tuesday night. Yeah. Guess guess who guess who picked all the music that was played at Portman Road on Tuesday? You got to pick it. Yeah, all of it. Oh my goodness! Obviously, there was no Queen. Obviously not. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of Scandi experimental techno. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that all got played. As did how the did, Chicago- how, how did this happen? You just I went- asked. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, big thanks to Neil. Uh, Neil Hawes, who's the uh, the club's marketing manager, but he is also a superstar DJ uh, in real life and has a Saturday night set every Saturday. I think it's called Infinity in Sudbury, if anyone's okay. been. 
DJ Nilos. Um, I asked DJ Nilos probably, be- and I think he might have said yes because I referenced his music pretty much every week in my Sunday snap column uh, on a Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, he let me pick it. So I did. What was the uh, the one tune that you were most excited to play? Uh, Sop at play. Of course, a classic. A cla- which, was, a- which was played. An advertising classic. Um, yeah. Right then, boys. That's us for the week then. Just leave me to say thank you for listening. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes uh, if you haven't already. We've got a lot of those recently. It's really nice to hear some kind words from people. It also helps us with the visibility in the iTunes chart. And one day we're going to usurp those pesky Kings of Leon. Also follow us across all our social medias. That's Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, whatever you're doing. We'll speak to you again next time and from great tunes at portman road to another great tune to see us out let's hit the koa club baby from true crime to football brexit to postal more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.